in one of our recent studies, we had a, a group of over 600 customers indicate what's important to them. We gave them 24 variables to choose from, all right? And we took the 12 that were indicated the most, all right? So in rank order, all right, they told us what's important. Price ranked number 11 out of 12. So it's on the list, so it's going to be important, but there are 10 things more important to that customer than just price. Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I have Paul Riley with us, and we're talking about the art of selling value. Welcome to the show, Paul. Steve, hey, it's great to be here, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, so by way of introduction, Paul Riley is a speaker, a sales trainer, and the host of the Q&A Sales Podcast, and also the co-author of the fourth edition of Value Added Selling. In 2013, he joined the Tom Riley Training Company, where he's currently, currently a president, and Paul's training methods draw from his over 15 years of sales experience, during which he was a top performer. He credits his success as a salesperson to embracing the value-added selling message. Um, to jump right in, Paul, I, I'd love to hear more about uh, about the the value-adding value-added selling message. The, the idea of selling value has been around for a really long time. Uh, is is this message still relevant in today's day and age? You know, that, that's a question we often, we hear from sales leaders, from salespeople is, can we still compete on value? And this message, it, it still is a content rich message of hope. You know, when we worked with our um, publisher to come up with the fourth edition of the book, what they told us is, is that they love the message because it's an evergreen message. It's a message that is always going to be in style because as long as customers want value, they, there still is going to be a need for salespeople to create value in sales organizations to create value. And in fact, just yesterday, you know, yes, is it, is it still relevant? Um, I was looking on Amazon just to check the rankings and, and value added selling was actually number two on Amazon's best sellers list and some of the sales book, uh, sales book categories. But the number one book was the cannabis grow Bible. So the cannabis grow Bible beat us and I, I think that shows where people's priorities are these days. You know, I, I can't really fault them for that one, but I, I have to say it, it's still relevant for that reason. Though. I mean, if Customers, you're going to lose to somebody, it might as well be the Cannabis Grow Bible. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe they'll send me a consolation prize, right, for right. being number two. But, you, you know, the, the message is relevant. Customers still want value, and it's going to force organizations to create value. Now, the ways we do create value has changed, but that that – principle is still sound. And just to kind of date stamp this for everybody, it's uh, the beginning of May 2020. So we're, we're still pretty early in the in the COVID situation. Um, so that's why uh, that, that may be why everyone's trying to learn to grow their own weed here. <laughs> it's, 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 it'd be worse if grow your own wheat was number one on, on the uh, on the bestseller list. At least, at least people are thinking about having uh, relaxing and having a little fun still. You know, it's not it's not as, absolute desperation at this point. <laughs> no, that's a good point. We've, we've got we've got a ways to fall still. But by the time I'm, I'm you know growing grapes and wheat, then we know we're in trouble. Yeah. But uh, so. Tell me what makes value added selling different from other types of selling philosophies and strategies? No, that's a, uh, that's a good question and a fair question because there, there are a lot of different training systems out there, training messages and, and a lot of good ones as well. Um, so a few things that, that make this message unique. Number one, it's, it's centered, centered rather, excuse me, on a simple but powerful philosophy. And that is do more of that, which adds value and less of that, which adds little or no value. We call that the, the true north orienting philosophy within value added selling, and it guides everything that a salesperson should do, but also an entire organization. If you think about it, it's not just a selling philosophy, it's, it's a business philosophy. So that, that's the foundation, and it's built upon that. And, and so 
we can teach salespeople different tactics and techniques, things like that. But until they wholeheartedly accept this philosophy, um, it's not going to be successful for them. And so we encourage salespeople to embrace this philosophy. And that ends up becoming a true north orienting philosophy. It guides everything they do. And it ends up helping them create uh, value in ways that we just can't teach salespeople in our training seminars or keynote presentations. Um, the other thing, you know, value added selling was created for a very specific reason, and that is to help salespeople overcome price objections. That's, that's the only reason this message exists, is to help salespeople get past price. And so there are a lot of different selling techniques out there, but this is specialized around that one, that one challenge that salespeople face, and that's overcoming price. And so there's a lot of, you know, if you use the analogy of a doctor, right, you got your general practitioner you go to for every ache and all that. And then you go to a heart surgeon because you need heart surgery. We're, we're that specialist, right, where we focus on that one core issue. And I guess that that would probably be helpful for our listeners if you would just give like a two or three sentence summary of the value added selling philosophy. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. So as I mentioned, that philosophy of value-added selling, it's to do more of that which adds value and less of that which adds little or no value. Now, value-added selling is also about being proactive. It means you proactively take control of that sales conversation and you guide it down a path of value and away from price. And it also means that you're selling a, a bundled package. You're not just selling a product. And, uh, you know, Steve, there's so many salespeople out there that just sell products. And product is just one part of your overall solution. Instead, you need to sell the product of the company and also the salesperson. We call that collectively the three dimensions of value. So you're, you're trying to sell the buyer on this concept, right? That they're not just buying a product, they're buying you as the salesperson, your experience, your expertise along with it. Um, it also means that you have to focus more on the customer's needs and concern yourself less about the competition, right? So we don't lose sleep over what our competitors are doing. For every ounce of energy we focus on the competition, we need to focus 10 times the amount on that specific customer and what they need and what's important to them. So it, it very much is a customer focused approach. It's also built on this idea of equity, right? It has to be a fair solution for the customer, right? It has to be a fair exchange for what they sacrifice in time, energy, and effort for what they actually gain. And it also has to be fair to you as the seller, right? As a, as a business owner yourself, right? You're not going to take on a customer or a client when it's not a fair deal for you. And the same is true for value-added selling. We put customers first, but it doesn't mean we put ourselves last. It has to be a fair exchange for us along the way. And so that, I mean, if I could sum it up in a few words, that, that is what value-added selling really is. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a great answer and uh, really helps clarify it for folks. Um, Tell me about the sales process with value-added selling. What, is, what does the process look like um, specifically from the perspective of an outside salesperson? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're an outside salesperson, our process is both offensive and defensive selling. Offensive selling is about going out there pursuing new opportunities. Defensive selling is about protecting the business that you already have. So our process, it's a series of 11 strategies, both offensive and defensive. I don't need to go through each of the 11. At, at a high level, I'll tell you that the process begins by selecting the right opportunities and then pursuing those opportunities the right way, which means you got to meet with all the right people. You got to get there early in the decision-making process. And you also have to get to that high-level decision-maker, that person that can ultimately say yes. Then you gain an in-depth understanding of the individual needs of all those decision makers, figure out their needs, their wants, and their fears. And once you do that, you begin persuading them to your solution. And you do that by differentiating your alternative, positioning your solution as the value-added solution, and then you present, all right? You present your value-added solution in a way that compels the buyer to act. Now, once you bring that customer in, you now switch to defensive selling mode, which is about supporting and building relationships with that customer, making yourself um, an inseparable part of their business. And then after you support that customer, you wanna continue to recreate value for that customer. You wanna continue to uh, remind the customer of the value that you do deliver, and then finally leverage that 
into additional opportunities, all right? So that's the basic value-added selling process, but there is one important thing to remember, all right? This term sales process is, is thrown around um, a lot these days, and it has been for, for decades. A sales process is only as good as it is if it mirrors that customer's buying path. When you think about your seller's process, what you do, what you go out there and do to try to bring in new business, it has to mirror the same process that your customers go through when they buy. And value-added selling mirrors the customer's buying path, which means all of those different strategies, they can happen out of order, they can happen all at once. They just, they match the customer's buying path. And that's critical because customers are gonna buy the way they want to buy, not necessarily the way that you want to sell them. And so it's important to remember as a salesperson, selling is a dynamic process. There, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of things that we have to account for. A process is, is just a simple way to guide your effort, but your, your effort is guided also by how the customer wants to buy. So you, you mentioned reminding a current customer of, of the value that you're creating and, and, and I'm guessing you mean quantifying it for them or helping them quantify it for themselves. What exactly, how do you do that? What do you recommend for people to do? And what are some strategies there to, to help your current or existing customer base realize how important you are? Yep. And that's critical. You know, as most people are unaware of the air that they breathe, most customers are unaware of the value they actually receive. They, they just don't think about it, right? They don't wake up every morning and think, wow, that, that salesperson really nailed it yesterday. They came through for me. I, I wonder if they're going to do the same thing today. They just, they don't think about it because they've become used to it. They become accustomed to it. And that's the biggest problem is once a customer gets used to your value at it and they don't give you the credit that you deserve, price becomes a bigger issue right? Because price is only an issue in the absence of value. And if a customer takes your value at it for granted, or they just don't think about it or recognize it, they're more likely to focus on price. And, and so value reinforcement, that's what we call it in value added selling. It's an ongoing campaign. It's not just a single event. It's not once a year showing up saying, hey, look at all the great things we did for you this year. It is an ongoing campaign. And, and there's three ways you can do that through documentation. Documentation is is one way where you put on paper the value that you deliver. And it could be something as sophisticated as a, as a worksheet, like a quantifiable worksheet that details cost savings, that details um, labor savings, whatever it might be. You can detail that out and that's a powerful way to do it because once you tie a number to your value, it becomes real and tangible. So I encourage that, but there's other little things that you can do. Um, I'll, I'll give you some examples. Uh, the other day, all right, um, if you're familiar with True Green, all right, the company, uh, they come around, they spray your lawn, and it looks beautiful, right? And I believe they're a nationwide company, but I was True watching a, a True Green guy, a service guy out there spraying someone's yard. And, and what I was amazed at is afterwards, he put a stake in the ground with a note explaining all the little things that he did. And I went over and looked at it. And, and one of the things said, oh, I removed all of the children's toys from the yard before I sprayed it with the, the chemicals. All right. Here's what I did as well. Here's some directions for you. And if you think about that, that's value reminding. All right. That, you know, customer, that homeowner wouldn't have thought about that, you know, that individual taking the extra time out of their schedule to make sure they didn't spray their kids' toys with chemicals. Now, obviously, that's just being considerate, but that is a subtle reminder to that customer that, oh, they, they did something. They, they made the extra effort. Mm -hmm. They made the customer aware of the value that they delivered. And not only that, but you think about a service like that where they're spraying down an invisible chemical. And if people are not at home, right, during the day, they're usually at work. How would you know if someone even came by to, to treat the lawn? Hey, put that reminder in there. That, so that's one way, just that documentation. You know, other things is, you know, we, we call it um, positive bragging and positive bragging is, is about subtly making customers aware of, of some of the, the great things that you do for them behind the scenes, the things they don't think about. Uh, banks are known for this. If you go to some, um, some of the well-known banks, uh, one of them being U.S. Bank, I remember a few years ago, they were received an award for one of the most ethical companies or something like that. They put that banner on their website and that's a subtle reminder to you as their client that you 
that you partnered, right, with a, with a good ethical bank, right? Subtle things like that make a difference. And uh, the, the big one, though, is what we call the value audit. Every single year or every quarter, sit down with your customers, review your value added, and check on yourself. Ask them if you're delivering on all the promises that you made. Right? Because if, if you're not delivering on those promises, then there's a chance that they could be looking at the competitor. We've got to remind them and we've got to ask them how we're doing. Some people, salespeople shy away from that because they're concerned. They don't want to hear the answer when they ask the question, right? They don't want to hear that they're doing a lousy job. I don't know about you, but I would much rather have my customers complain to me than complain to one of my competitors. So, That's you know, those are just some basic examples of how you can reinforce that value. And what about on the way in? What about with, with a, a uh, prospect? Mm -hmm. How, what happens or what do you recommend when a prospect is bringing up price early in the sales cycle, maybe before you've had the chance to, to show all the value or, or, you know, convince them of all the value that they're going to, they're going to get from you. How do you shift the conversation back to value in, in that case when, when your prospect has brought up price early and seems to be making their decision focused on price? Yeah. You know, it, that's happening more and more. I think as a society, we're almost training people to focus on price and make pricing the criteria. And it, it's like we live in a culture of cheap almost where people focus on price. And so that to answer the first question, that's again, why this message is still relevant. But when buyers focus on price, it's, it's because either they're just curious about price, they're trying to get a frame of reference, or they want to see if this is something that is worth the value that they perceive already. Either way, until you explain the value and the impact it has on the customer, your price is going to be too high because they don't really know what you can do for them. So one thing I would recommend, um, most of the salespeople that are listening to this podcast and most of the sales leaders, I'm going to assume that what they're selling, their total solution will help save the customer on their total cost in some way or another. So what I would encourage them to do when the buyer says, Hey, what's your price on this? Before we get too into it, let's talk price. The salesperson needs to change the conversation. And here's how they do it. They can say, you know what, Mr. Customer, Ms. Customer, I understand price is one of the many variables you look at when you make a decision. In fact, the reason you're asking about price is because you want to save on your total cost. Am I right? And the buyer will typically agree to that. And then you respond by saying, well, if cost is your real concern, let's talk about all the ways we can help save on your total cost. And then you can talk about labor costs, logistical costs, um, reducing downtime, right? reducing shipment costs, things like that. You can, you can take that conversation and shift it towards all the ways you save on their cost. Now you're having a bigger conversation because right? price is just one small way you save on cost. Right? It's like the iceberg. You see the tip of it, and that's what price is, but cost is everything that exists below the surface, and that's where you can have a real impact on the customer's business. But if they're just talking about price, we're going to struggle, so we got to shift that conversation. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's fantastic advice. Um, tell me, how, why do you think price is so important to buyers and decision makers? How important is it? Um, and, uh, other than shifting the conversation to value, is there any other, any other trick that you use with, uh, when, when you're talking about when, when, the, when there's a, a customer that's really focused on price or a prospect that's focused on price? Sure. No, absolutely. The, you know, one thing to remember, salespeople make a bigger deal out of price than customers do. And, and I say that not tongue in cheek, not trying to sound, you know, too glib or anything like that. I say that because it's true. We, we've actually researched this and in value-added selling, we, we highlight this study. We asked a group of salespeople, right, on a scale between one and 10, how important is price, right? How important do you think price is to the customer? And salespeople indicated 8.3. That's how important they said price was on a scale between one and 10, 10 being the most important, they said 8.3. Well, we also asked a separate group of customers on a scale between one and 10, how important is price to you? And they said 7.1. Who's making a bigger deal out of price? And so when we think about that, yeah, buyers are going to focus on price because 
you know, they're not stupid. <laughs> Their experiences taught them that when you deal with salespeople and if you make them feel a little bit of pressure, chances are they're going to give you a discount. In fact, over 30 years, we've studied that in, in various discounting studies to, to identify behaviors and patterns. And what we have found is that between 72 and 75% of the time, salespeople will provide some sort of discount when they are asked for one. And if you think about it, I'm a customer. Why wouldn't I ask for a discount, right? If I'm getting ready to invest, you know, $50,000, $100,000 or whatever it might be. And I know that there's other options out there. I might ask the salesperson and say, Hey, is that the best you can do? And just by giving that little bit of pressure, you know, salespeople are going to discount. Or I might say, Hey, if you guys can't work with us on the price, I'm going to have to put this out to bid to, to a bunch of different competitors. Is there a way we can work on this? 75% of the time, salespeople will cave in on that. And so we have to remember that sometimes we're our own worst enemy as salespeople. And, and we feel that pressure. And the reason we cave is we're fearful of losing the business. I get that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sales guy. I understand that. We all understand it. But you also have to remember your customers are also facing some pressure to work with you as well. Now, sometimes they do a better job of concealing it, but there are still other things more important than just price. All right. In fact, you mentioned just how important is it? Um, in one of our recent studies, we had a, a group of over 600 customers indicate what's important to them. We gave them 24 variables to choose from. All right. And we took the 12 that were indicated the most. All right. So in rank order, all right, they told us what's important. Price ranked number 11 out of 12. So it's on the list, so it's going to be important, but there are 10 things more important to that customer than just price. And mm -hmm. rather than figuring out how we can decrease point number 11, we got to figure out a way to increase number one through 10. That's where we have to focus our time and attention. Yeah, I, I would guess several in, in, in one through 10 have something to do with risk. I think the, the challenge for salespeople, and maybe the reason that we as salespeople overvalue or uh, price over other things is because humans learn through experience and every salesperson has lost a deal to price. We, you know, they, you ran into a very price sensitive buyer who wanted the commodity item. And most people, most companies that have, you know, a real sales team, it's because it's not a commodity. If you just could have, if one of your competitors has a crappy version of it on, I don't know, Amazon, on the internet, right? Um, there's a good chance there's a reason why, you know, that's the cheaper version that you can just buy and then yours is the customized, high, you know, uh, solution that's, that's higher end, right? I mean, there are, there are Yugos and there's, there's Ferraris and there's a whole bunch of stuff in between. And I think that because everyone's run into, as in, the, in the course of their sales career, a deal that, a deal that you lose on price is often just out of your control, right? You just, you, you know, you can't compete with the commodity product on price. You compete on a lot of other things, but they, if you've lost that deal before it, it feels like this is the, this is why I lost this deal. You rarely lose a deal to risk deals push because of risk, but you abs you can absolutely lose a deal to price. And so you, you remember that forever. You do. I mean, and, and I'm here to say that's, that's okay. Uh, you know, in fact, if you're not losing some business because of price, you're, you're probably not charging enough for your products, for your services, whatever it might be. And we found that about one out of six buyers are true price shoppers, meaning price is the most important thing. They're not going to care about your value added, all those things you do for them, the quality and performance, you know, availability, even all of that is secondary. Uh, to price. And that's business we want the competition to have, right? We don't want to waste our time, energy, and effort on trying to sell value to a customer who's never going to buy on value. As a salesperson, you can, you can find out who those customers are, right? If you're an outside salesperson, look at your territory, all right? And try to figure out, okay, who's the cheapest provider in the area? Who is known for cheap prices or to get down and just discount whatever they need to discount to win the business, figure out who those competitors are and their, their customer base is usually, usually price shopping customers. All right. So that, that's something to think about as well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. if, if you're that field salesperson, you want to learn 
how to calibrate your mind appropriately to price and figure out what your customers value. Are there exercises that you can do to determine um, the value of different parts of your product or service and, and then better learn to communicate this value? You know, when we think about value, um, you know, I, I should have covered maybe just a couple of key terms to kick this off, but value is first and foremost defined by the customer. Uh, the customer defines value and their definition is the only one that matters. Now, since customers define it, it's, it's personal to them. So it's not always logical and rational when you, when you think about it, right? Because we as humans, we make irrational decisions all the time, right? And in fact, I was talking to my dad the other day, right? And, and my dad loves cheap gas, okay? He's the kind of guy who will drive 10 miles out of his way to save a penny on a gallon of gas. And, you know, gas is dropping like crazy right now with all the, with the lack of demand, oversupply and all that. And he called me up. He's like, you know, gas might get down below a dollar a gallon. And I'm like, dad, I know this is, this is huge for you. And he's like, I need to hurry up and drive to get all the expensive stuff out and make room for the cheap stuff. I'm like, <laughs> come on, dad, you're, you're losing your mind here. You're, what the heck? It, but, it, it, you know, at, at some level, he's willing to do irrational things to, to find that cheap gas. So our customers they define value in rational and irrational ways and it's in their terms. And that's so critical to understand with value added selling is they define value. It's not how we think of it or how we define it. It's how they define it. And it also describes an outcome that they gain. Uh, so when we think about that and we're trying to communicate our value, we first have to gain an in-depth, clear understanding of what value is to that individual decision maker what they care about, what's important to them. And we can't ignore the emotion and, and even the illogical side of it. Um, especially, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss not to comment on, on what we're facing right now with COVID-19 and the, you know, there's probably gonna be a recession afterwards. We might be in a recession already, who knows? I'm not an economic guru, but it feels like we're gonna be facing some tough times ahead. During tough times, emotion will play almost a, an even bigger role right, within the decision-making process, you're, you're going to have decision-makers who are now concerned about keeping their job versus creating value for their own company. So they're going to maybe focus on things that make them look good, that, that put them in a favorable position. And, and some of those things might be against what they would typically do. But you know what? When things happen like this, we enter survival mode when we make decisions. And so we have to understand all of these things and, and the best way to do that. I mean, I, I don't think there's just one way, but I think one of the best ways to do that is to just put yourself in the position of that customer, empathize with them, imagine what it's like to be them. And that's not only one of the greatest gifts we have as humans in, in business, it's, it's in life, is to be able to view the world from another person's perspective, to see what they see, feel what they feel. And by doing that, you're able to understand how customers define value at a much deeper level, deeper than any, any of your competitors. And what about the value that the salesperson can contribute to a situa situation? You, you talk about in your book how salespeople can make up up to 25% of the value in a deal. Talk about how they make up that value and how they can, can make sure they're maximizing the value that they're creating in a situation. Yep. No, in there are several ways, and I'll, I'll give a couple of examples. It begins with the mindset, though, of how how the salesperson views their profession. You know, if as a salesperson, if you if you view what you do, you, your purpose in sales is just to go out there and make deals, then that gives you a seller focused view of the world. Instead. We have to take a customer-focused view of the world. We have to be a person of value. And that means we focus more on serving the needs of our customers versus serving ourselves. That means we focus more on making a difference in our customer's business versus just making a deal. That, that outward focus, that customer-focused approach is going to be critical for salespeople to create value for the customer. With that being said, um, you know we, we asked a group of customers in our best sales practices study how top achieving salespeople, how they're able to uh, get things done, how they're able to 
uh, create value for, for them as the customer. And the number one thing that came up was knowledgeable expertise. All right. So knowledge is critical. In fact, knowledge ranked higher than being trustworthy, which I think is interesting. Um, but it shows you just how important knowledge is. Knowledge not only about your products and services, but knowledge about the customer and their industry. You have to be a student of your profession. You have to research and understand your customer's business at a deeper level. And you have to be able to match what you find out against what you can support the customer with from your perspective, right? Your expertise, your insights. And I'll, I'll give you an example of this. Um, you know, a, this is a client I worked with a few, a few months ago and they're salespeople, very experienced salespeople, right? And, and they're route type of salespeople. They're going out and knocking on doors. And one of their customers, right, he's a small business owner, was just casually talking about how he was going to expand his parking lot. And the salesperson was very knowledgeable about this one key area, right? He, he was selling to an automotive repair company and they're a parts supplier. And the salesperson walked out in the parking lot and said, hey, well, let's take a look at, at what you're thinking. He said, I, I've worked with a lot of business owners to, you know, to help them reconfigure their lots before. And they just had a conversation and the salesperson was able, able to deliver some value, some meaningful insight that helped that business owner make a better decision. That's, create, that's knowledgeable expertise that you can apply. Now, what happens with that? I mean, you can, you can think about it. A small business owner is gonna think, you know what? I, I better bring them around more. I, I better keep that person coming around because they're creating value. I, I could buy this part or piece anywhere, but I can't, I can't buy them anywhere. I have to go through that company. And so your knowledgeable expertise is going to be critical. Um, and that also means knowledgeable about your own company and how to get things done. That's one of the, you know, one of the important aspects of selling is being able to quarterback the resources within your own organization to get things done. And salespeople that can make that happen, they are going to have customers beating a path to their door to, to do business with them. And so those are just a, a couple of ways. And, and really, I mean, you could, you could fill a book on all the ways that a salesperson could create value with different examples and techniques. It starts with their belief in their profession and what their real purpose is. It's, it's to create value for the customer. They need to look outside themselves and find ways to do that. Um, uh, one more example, this is a guy I used to work with. And uh, when we were selling, our, the company I worked for at the time was known to, to just release innovative products every single year. They came out with some of the greatest products in the market. Only one of our top sales guys, he was never the first one to go out there and push those innovative products on his customers. Although our company wanted us to go out there and, and make customers aware of it and spread the word, he was always hesitant to do it. And his argument was, why would I focus on selling a product that we are told to sell from our company versus the customer? The customer is going to tell me what they want me to sell to them. That's where I focus my time, energy, and effort. And that, that makes complete sense. It's that outward customer-focused approach. Yeah, yeah, more more alignment with the customers almost than his, than his own company. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah no, it's <laughs> and that happens quite a bit. Yeah, well, and, and a few things struck me there that is really interesting. You know, I think it, salespeople, and w when you're a salesperson you, and you've been selling into an industry for a long time, you kind of have this, you sit in this interesting seat where you've met with and talked with often all this person's that this person that you're selling to right now, you've already spoken with all their competitors, you know a tremendous amount about the structure of their business, especially in the area that you're selling, because you've talked about this before, right? Like maybe this might be the first time that that, that sales rep had, or that, that that owner had changed his lot around. But that sales rep, he might've talked to 50 people about changing their lots around. And maybe he he's never had to change a lot around. He doesn't run this type of business, but he's seen it done 50 times. He's had 50 conversations about it. And so he may, way know, he, he may know way, way more than the business owner about this certain element of their of his business, and so and, and so you can you can really become an expert in your in your customer's business and really add value that way because you you sit in a unique perspective. Um, so, I guess 
that that all another thing that struck me while you were talking about that was it, in a commodifying world commodity commoditizing commodifying world commodifying. um you know if a lot of things just being sold over amazon how do how do what are some thoughts about how and obviously this this creating value thing that we've been talking about as a key one what are some other thoughts you have about how a, a salesperson and a, a company that's going to market market with salespeople how do they stay competitive in that world where you know maybe Maybe some of the things you're selling, the customer could just buy it at Amazon for very with very low margins or Costco or whatever. In a world of of uh, tight supply chains and efficiency, how do you how do you how do you stay competitive? Yeah, no, that, that's a fair question, especially with you know the the Amazon effect. And even if you don't compete directly with Amazon, uh, you're competing with the expectations that they have set in the market and and all that. Um, when you talk about selling just just the product, right, in, in the commoditized world that we live in where products are, are virtually the same or they can buy exactly the same product from another supplier, that's all the more reason you can't just sell product. Part of the, the challenge with selling value is when salespeople fail to change the conversation when they change when they can't change the way the buyer thinks that's that's part of what we do in value added selling is we have to change the way the buyer thinks if they're just thinking in terms of a commodity product yeah we're gonna have trouble selling value but we got to remind them of something bigger what they're actually buying is is not just a product it's a bundled package and when they're buying your bundled package when they're buying your product although it's the exact same product as competitor x they're not able to buy you as the salesperson and they're not able to buy all the value added that your company will bring along with it. We have to remind our customers that our, our value added solution, right? All the dimensions, the salesperson, the company and the product, all of those are inseparable from one another, right? They are inseparable from one another. And if a customer decides that they want to buy product X that is the exact same, over there, it means they're foregoing all of the value that comes along with it. And, and that means we have, to, we have to be able to share what that value is in a compelling way. And it could be anything from, you know, training, support, um, you know, priority access and, and into, you know, different services. I, I work with several clients that compete directly with Amazon. And what they're constantly reminding the customer of is the actual support, the aftermarket support you get when you partner with us. As one salesperson said, hey, whenever I compete against Amazon, I just look at the customer and I say, hey, look, I get it. Their prices are cheaper, but if it doesn't work, don't you want someone to throw it at at least? <laughs> I'm going to be here for you. And he, he uses that as a way to, to highlight their value at it. Another great example I saw on uh, LinkedIn, it was a small business owner who took a picture of a sign in front of a business and the sign said hey buy from me because amazon's not going to support your son's baseball team and it talked about community involvement and i think when people realize that what they're buying is something bigger than just product it helps take price not completely out of the picture but it moves it off to the side that that's that's great advice for folks i think so what actionable tips do you have um, with respect to closing within the value-added selling framework? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you think about closing the sale, it's just gaining the buyer's commitment. And most of the persuasion and most of the convincing has already happened, right? That happens when we're asking the right questions, uncovering the buyer's needs. And then we want to present a solution that matches their needs, wants, fears, or alleviates their fears, I should say, and concerns. And so if we do a good job there, closing the sale becomes easier. So from, a, from an actual process standpoint, how you close a sale, all you do is you ask two questions, right? You ask the buyer for their opinion, and then you ask for their commitment, all right? Um, when you're asking for the buyer's opinion, you want to gauge how interested they are. You want to gauge whether they're closer to saying yes or closer to saying no, or if they're kind of on the fence, whatever it might be. And you do that by simply asking a question, so what do you think? Right? And the buyer will let you know. And if they feel like you're moving in the right direction, they'll say things like, okay, that, that sounds good. I think it's going to work for us. 
oh, all right, that, that's great. You're getting a good signal. Go ahead and ask for their commitment, right? Would you like to put a PO number on that? Or can I get the order today? Would you sign here? Whatever, whatever technique you use at that point. All right. But when you're asking for their opinion and you get a sense that they're just not ready or, or something's going on, you want to ask a few follow-up questions just to see where they're at, to clarify uh, what's going on and to understand just that level of resistance so that you can work past it. Um, you know, th that's a basic technique. You know, if you're working on a longer sales cycle, uh, you know, 18 to 24 months, whatever that might be, you're going to have to gain commitment throughout that entire sales cycle. So you're, you're going to continuously um, look for small wins, little things that will keep the sale moving forward that help you generate momentum that will ultimately lead to that sale. So we focus on achieving those small wins as a way to, as a way to close the ultimate sale. And talk to me about how to continue to sell value after that initial, after the close, after after the initial sale is made and the, the ink is dried, what are your tips for building customer relationships and, and creating and selling the value after that point? Yeah, no, that is critical because how you deliver on the promises that you've made and how you manage that initial experience, that's going to determine whether they continue to work with you or not. And so, any customer, right, once they sign the deal, they're ready to move forward, they want to have a smooth and seamless transition. Now, it's not always smooth and seamless, but you as the salesperson, it, you need to make sure that you're there, that you're coordinating resources, that you're doing your part to help achieve that smooth and seamless transition. Because once you do that, it's going to open up the door for new business. All right, that's one aspect of it. The other thing we need to do is to continue to build relationships with that customer. And uh, relationship building has always been a big part of sales. And in fact, in our surveys, we've found that that relationship with the salesperson ranks more important than price. All right. So all the more reason to make sure we're building a solid relationship. And how we do that is we want to make those individual decision makers look like heroes in some way, make them look like a hero to their employees, to their bosses, uh, to their colleagues, whoever it might be, make them look like a hero. But then we want to look for additional ways to create even more value for that customer. And, and we call that tinkering. You know, if you've ever heard the expression to, to tinker with something, it's, it's, it's to improve it, to enhance it. What we need to do is look at our customer base and say, okay, how can I tinker with, with the value that I'm creating? How can I find new ways to create value? And, and how can I do these things also without my customer asking me to do it? You're, you're basically creating. Uh, you're creating a position that is impossible for your competitors to, to weasel their way in. You're nailing down the back door. You're not giving your customers a reason to look out there because we got to remember your best customers are also the competitors, best prospects. And as hard as you have worked to get to this point, someone's working harder than you to try to steal that business from you. So you got to treat your best customers like they are your best prospects because they are for the competition. So we gotta always look for those ways to continue to create more value in unique ways. And you know, if you're gonna ask how to do that, you can do things like just talk to your customer and ask them, hey, what is it that you hate doing that we can do for you? Or if you're a salesperson, follow your customer experience from the moment an order comes in or an order is placed all the way to delivery and look for ways to improve or enhance for that customer. Talk to a bunch of the employees at your customer's place of business and figure out what is missing. Check on yourself, and that's going to reveal opportunities. Yeah, this what you're saying reminded me of uh, of a trip I took uh, years ago. I, I drove around the country and met with all my uh, met with not all, but with probably a hundred uh, customers, and uh, I literally drove from Chicago to the East Coast, down down the East Coast, and then. Um, all the way out to California. And so I did a big loop of, of the country and uh, zigzagging my way the whole time. And, and the main purpose was to talk to all these customers and just learn about their process and, and, and their experience with us and see, you know, where I should be guiding the team, you know, what products should we, what products should we be adding, what features, what capabilities, what, what were they liking, what were they not liking? And it was just, and I felt like there was no, 
no good way to do that other than than me as a CEO actually getting out and sitting with all those customers and, and getting face to face with them, buying them a beer, you know, taking them out for dinner, whatever it was, meeting them during the workday, but sitting down with them and talking with them about this. Yeah, that's critical. Um, the uh, the next section here is sales in sixty seconds. So quick questions, quick answers. Okay. Um, First question, what advice do you have for salespeople that are struggling to sell with value? Uh, first of all, I would, I would challenge them and say, okay, how are you defining value? Are you defining it in the customer's terms or your terms? So I would encourage that salesperson to look at their messaging, how they communicate, and if it's more seller focused on you know, how great their company is, how great their product is, they need to shift the focus towards the customer. Right? Next thing I would do is, have them look at their customer base. If they're, if they're focusing on just price shopping customers, then yeah, they're gonna to struggle to sell value. So look at the customers, look at the message. In your opinion, what is the most important part of the whole value-added sales process and why? You know, there is no most important step in the process. They're all important. And in sales, we often look for a silver bullet, like what's the one thing we can do, the one thing that's more important. You know, throughout the 11 steps of the process, you gotta do all of them right. It's, it's just like going on an overall health and fitness initiative. You can't just work out one time and expect that to meet your health goals. Well, you can't just do one thing and, and hopefully it'll help you achieve your sales goals. So we gotta, we gotta follow the entire process, you know, but the, underlying principle of defining value in the customer's terms, that's, that's critical throughout the entire process. And in your opinion, what is it that makes value added selling so successful? It's focused on the customer. You know, that's the reason it, it has stood the test of time, right? We talk about this being an evergreen message. It's focused on helping the customer become more successful and helping them achieve their goals. As a salesperson, when we, we operate under that mindset, when we operate under that, that guiding principle, we're going to make ourselves an inseparable part of our customer's business. The ways we create value, the tactics, the, the methods, yeah, those are going to change, but the principles will continue to guide us. And um, what would you say your top tips for generating new business from existing customers are? Number one, don't focus on products to quote, focus on problems to solve. Whenever a customer has a problem in a key area, they're going to be more open to your ideas. So rather than looking for products to sell, talk to different departments, different decision makers, and try to identify problems that you could potentially solve. I would say that's the, the best thing you can do. And as an actionable takeaway, what should the field salespeople listening today do as a, the very first step to get started on incorporated, incorporating value-added selling into their sales processes? You know, I, I would say the, the very first thing they need to do is look at their messaging, look at their their typical sales call and, and ask themselves, okay, where's the focus? Is the focus on me or is the focus on the customer? I would encourage them to pause for a few moments before every single sales call and ask themselves, okay, what's it like to be the person I'm going to meet with? What are some of their challenges? What are some of their frustrations? What are the things that they're concerned about? And by thinking about those things, it's going to put you in, in the right mindset. It's going to put the focus on the customer and away from you. And as you go in and you interact with that customer, make sure you're asking questions that reveal their true needs, their concerns, and listen while you're, while you're asking those questions. I would say that's the, the place to get started. Well, fantastic. I'm going to attempt to summarize all the wisdom that you've given us here. Um, so first, value-added selling was created to help salespeople overcome price objections and focus on that specific issue of price. The customer defines their own value, so it's very important to provide value-based um, provide to provide value based on the customer's specific definition. Establish the three dimensions of value 
first year, you're not just selling the product, you're also selling you as the person who brings value. You wanna focus on the customer and what they need, and you wanna think about what's a fair exchange for both you as the salesperson and them as the customer. Value-added selling is both an offensive and defensive selling strategy. The process begins by selecting all the right opportunities and pursuing the opportunities in the right way. Find out your prospects' problems, present the value you can provide them in a compelling way, and once you get a customer in the door, build the relationship with value and continue to remind the customers of your value. The ways that you can continue to remind customers of value are first, documentation, put on paper the value that you're delivering, like a, a quantifiable worksheet that shows cost savings. Positive bragging, which is subtly making customers aware of the great things you do for them behind the scenes, maybe that aren't obvious, and a value audit. Every year, sit down with your customers and make sure you're delivering all the promises you've made and ask them how you're doing. When you're prospecting, work on continuously showing value and showing small wins, which will lead to the close. When closing, it's all about asking two questions. First, asking the buyer their opinion. So what do you think? So will this solution work well for you? And then second, asking the buyer for their commitment. After the close, continue providing value and help your customer by presenting them as a, as a hero to their colleagues and their manager. You need to have an outward customer-focused approach to become invaluable as a salesperson. Paul, this has been such great advice and just awesome thoughts here. Where can our listeners reach out and uh, read more about your work and learn more about you and get in touch with you? Sure. No, I uh, appreciate you asking that. I'll, I'll show just a, a quick snapshot. Here's, here's the book, Value Added Selling. You know, that's, that's what we do is we help sales organizations compete profitably by selling on value. That's available on Amazon, which I think is kind of funny because we have a whole chapter in the book on selling against Amazon and how to do it. <laughs> but they're, they're the number one seller of our book. So thanks, Amazon. <laughs> and all that. Um, they, <laughs> Don't worry, Jeff Bezos is not listening to my podcast right now, I, I promise. <laughs> I know, it's, it's funny. I'm so off the radar there from that perspective, but I always find that funny. Um, you know, for training needs or, you know, keynote speeches, things like that, you know, we have a training website. It's TomRileyTraining.com. It's actually, it's named after my father who started our company. So you can find out some more information about that. And, and also I have a podcast called the Q&A Sales Podcast. And that's available wherever you get your podcasts. The premise of the show is pretty simple. Salespeople submit questions to us and then we turn it into a show. It's typically a, a solo show, but I do have guests uh, depending on certain areas of expertise on that show. So you can check that out. Uh, salespeople can actually ask us a question on the podcast um, website, which is the Q&A Sales Podcast.com. Fantastic. Well, this has been a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk. I really appreciate you coming on here, Paul. And if any of the listeners can think of other sales reps that would benefit from learning about what Paul had to say about value-added selling, uh, definitely share this along with them or along to them. And uh, take care until next time, everybody.